Introduction. Every morning after I say Mass at my parish, I make the long, slow journey down I-90 towards Chicago's near west side and Mercy Home for Boys and Girls. I probably shouldn't admit it, but I often spend the commute lost in thought about the day ahead, about my schedule and meetings, and about the challenges that await at the home as my co-workers and I try to bring hope and healing to emotionally wounded children. I often worry, what if I fail? What if this is the day that one of the young people entrusted to our care says, I give up? What if one of their parents is arrested or sent away to prison? What if someone very dear to them succumbs to the drug or the alcohol addiction or is killed in the violence that grips many of our neighborhoods in Chicago? What if one of them chooses the unforgiving rules of the street over the supportive structures that we offer within our home? What if one of them asks me why God has been so unfair and I can't provide an answer? What pulls me back into the present moment is the lady who greets me when I arrive at the home. She is a beautiful statue that stands just beyond the spot where I park my car and beside our front door. She is Our Lady our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Mercy, clad in smooth white marble. She is not very large, standing only about four feet tall and anchored atop a short slab of coarse gray stone. On her head sits a beautiful leafy crown. One of her arms is stretched outwards towards all, and in the other arm she carries the infant Jesus, the Savior of all humankind. Both mother and child gaze downwards, towards the earth. Their expressions fixed and eternal, resolute is how I prefer to view them. They remind me of the strength and stability of this steadfast mission, which was founded in 1887. They remind me that I am not the first priest who has spent sleepless nights worrying about the children of Mercy Home, nor will I be the last. And they remind me as I walk through that door to put aside the chatter in my mind and to focus on the common task that we share, to bring God's mercy into the young lives inside. Yet as I go about my day, I remain aware that caring for adolescents whose guardians are unable to do so is a monumental responsibility. It encompasses so much more than keeping them safe from whatever has caused them harm before. More than feeding them, clothing them, and providing a bed in which they can sleep. We do everything a parent would normally do, and more. We help these young children face and reconcile their psychological trauma. We instill in them the life skills that they will need to live independently. We provide an excellent education. We change the way in which they view their futures. On the best day... It can be an uphill climb, and there is never a guarantee of success. All of our children come to us having suffered significant trauma. All of them wrestle with the after-effects of that suffering, which manifests themselves in an infinite array of emotional, cognitive, academic, and behavioral hurdles. And all of them have been denied in some way the chance simply to enjoy a simple, safe, and happy childhood. What gives me strength in undertaking this responsibility is knowing that there are folks across this country 
who know about our home, and who are committed to sustaining it with their support and with their prayers. Like the statue of Our Lady, Mercy Homes benefactors are unwavering in the face of all anxieties. They are the foundation, the rock, upon which this life-giving mission of mercy rests. What gives me confidence that we will succeed, in addition to God's grace, are my co-workers. Simply stated, they are the very best. Every day of the year, they provide young people with the things that were lacking and help them find within themselves the strengths that they need to heal and to grow into healthy, contributing adults. They are also passionate in their advocacy for children and families everywhere. And they share what they have learned with others in the youth care field in order to benefit even more young people in need. Finally, what gives me assurance that all of us together are making a difference are the true stories included in this book. Whether you support Mercy Home from afar or whether you work directly with our children, you are instruments of God's mercy. The change that takes place within each of the young lives featured in this book demonstrates the transformative power of your compassion. It is the power that enables a teenage girl who was imprisoned and abused by an adult neighbor to graduate from one of the country's most renowned MBA programs. The power that took a homeless boy off the streets so that he could one day create a stable and loving home for his beautiful daughters. The power to comfort two brothers who grieved alone for their mother. The power to quiet the anxious minds of young people and bring them the peace of our risen Lord. This collection is just a small reflection on the thousands of lives that have been changed for the better by this mission. I wish I had the space to share more of them with you. Some of these stories were very difficult to tell. You may even find them a little hard to read at first, but I ask that you persist. Our children's journeys begin in darkness and pain, but they end in light and hope. Most of the young people in the stories are now in the fullness of life, adults who are impacting others and our world in countless ways. You will read about some of the ways in these chapters. In reading them, you will see for yourself how mercy grows like ripples on the water that eventually touch each of us as they race outward in all directions. I have changed the names of those featured in these 10 stories and a few of the details that might make them easy to identify in order to protect their privacy and the privacy of those around them. But their stories are essentially as I have personally witnessed them over the past 26 years at the home. I share them with you to give you insight into the mission and so that you may reflect on the power that you have to save young lives. My favorite word in all of language is the Spanish word, mira. Mira is a command and an invitation that is both simple and beautiful. It means behold. Look around. Take in. It also means to be aware. It's easy in today's world to settle into our own private universe, to concern ourselves only with our own families, our jobs, and our problems. Ours is a truly interdependent world, however. We are one human family. 
We need to look around and to ask, what can I do to ease the suffering of others? The problems that our young people face may have different causes than those faced by young people back in 1887. But God's mercy is eternal, as is God's invitation to us to be aware and to extend compassion to the least of our brothers and sisters. In calling for an extraordinary jubilee year, Pope Francis asked us to gaze more attentively on mercy so that we may become a more effective sign of the Father's action in our lives. To signify the beginning of that year, he opened the holy door of St. Peter's Basilica. We have an old oak door at Mercy Home that symbolizes for me the way that God invites us to enter and to reflect on God's mercy every day of every year, as people have done since 1887. In that time, countless friends and benefactors have enhanced the lives of hurting children. They have helped them understand and use the great gifts that God has given to each of them. They have made God's mercy visible in our world, something for each of us to behold. So I invite you now to walk through that old oak door with me and mira, look around, take in, see what love can do.